This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're On our show tonight, Howling Under the Full Moon, we will explore Charles Band's Empire Full Moon Entertainment. We've got trancers, sci-fi epics, and vampires all in one place. When you need a break from reality, let our host show you through the madhouse of killer bombs, psychopathic cookies, and maniacal puppets. Don't be a squid and join us in the fun. Yeah? Arnell, it's Alistair. Give me some nuts. Booyah. Oh, oh. How can you smoke that? I mean, after everything that happened? It wasn't the weed, it was the bomb. That evil fucking bomb. Monkey, is this what you were telling me about? I think he's got something wrong with him. You seen Brett lately? I don't know what it is, man. I can't stop eating. It's exaggerated side effects of smoking pot. Dude, it's what I was trying to tell you. My sexual urges make me pounce like a fucking cougar. It's the bong, bro. She's the one doing this fucking shit to us. We gotta stop it. What do the jungle know, though? Oh, baby, how you been? King Bong? Let's do this. All righty, folks, welcome once again to Howling at the Full Moon, the podcast here at Cinema Degeneration, where we celebrate everything and anything Full Moon, Charlie Band, Empire Pictures related, the complete multiverse of Charlie Band. And this week we got our, our first sequel that we're doing here. Unless you count the transfers 1.5 short that we did a few months back, this is the first official sequel that we've done here at Howling at the Full Moon, Evil Bong 2, King Bong, uh, released in 2009. And uh, as usual, my usual co-host here is Dustin Hubbard. Are you as excited as I am, Dustin? Because I know this is a favorite sequel, one of your favorite sequels. (laughs) I I am uh, happy to be here to talk about, talk more about uh, EB's cinematic journey. (laughs) (laughs) First of countless sequels so yeah yeah oh good old evie she is uh she is something else <laughs> <laughs> once again uh voiced by oh i forgot how to pronounce her last name correctly you can you probably know better than i do michelle mays i uh, yeah i say michelle mays that's how that's how, that's how it's spelled so that's how i'm, I'm doing it <laughs> Then we get the debut of Michael Shepard as King Bong, the voice of King Bong, and, and several other returning, you know, characters. And, you know, this is the, this is the, you know, the idea that they would always use the the same actors if they could. Uh, we got John Patrick Jordan as Larnell, Mitch Eakins as uh, Bachman, Brian Lloyd as Brett. But then we got the new guy, uh, Brett uh, Chuckerman. I guess as Alistair and I love at the beginning how they even say like like oh you know how he said uh you know uh something along the lines of like hey you look different like that little Mm -hmm. wink and a nod to like yeah this is a different actor and the only one out of the original four that didn't come back 
And they would not have the same actor pay Alistair in any of the three first three movies that he's in, did they? No, yeah. It's, it honestly makes me wish they'd been able to continue with the core four, four male leads uh, through more films because it, it was an ongoing joke to literally just have Alistair continually be played by a different actor. And each time, usually Larnell being one being like, Oh, hey, Al, I, I didn't recognize you. <laughs> uh, but this one also is also uh, directed by Charlie Band, as he directed the first one. And uh, I, lo- I love it as a sequel. I love it. I won't get into ratings and where it falls on my scale just yet. I think I, if I remember right, I gave the first one a seven or a seven and a half, which is what I think I came in at. I don't know for sure. But this one is comparable. It, it's 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 comparable in the ratings. But let me go ahead and give the quick. Well, it's not so quick. This one's pretty pretty long. Or this is a summary. Is not so much a synopsis. But this is how it reads on the IMDb. Stoners Larnell, Brett, and Bachman all suffer from severe delayed side effects from smoking grass from the evil bong Evie. The trio embark on a journey to the jungles in South America along with their nerdy straight laced friend. Alistair and delivery guy rabbit to find a cure for their various ailments during their expedition. The group encounters a bunch of beautiful women known <laughs> as the Poontang tribe. Yes, that's right. The Poontang tribe, as well as a wicked and power- powerful bong called King Bong. And that's pretty, straight, pretty straight on straight, straightforward there. Uh, uh, so other than, you know, once again, you always kind of know with a full moon movie, you're going to get in with a sequel that takes place a few years later. You're going to get one of those extensive recaps. But I kind of like the the recap in this instance. It's not too extensive, not too long. It's, it feels like it's just right, you know? It's pretty long still, though. It's about a, it's about a three-minute recap. But, I mean, I don't know. By, by most people's standards, that's probably not too long. Still as right. long to me. But, yeah, I mean know. it's still long, but it's, it's 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 shorter than than a lot of other recaps that I've seen throw uh, get thrown at us by Full Moon, and it's an excuse to get to see a little bit of Jimbo since yeah, I love did. the Jimbo character, and we never get to see him again other than that recap. Yeah, you get the Chong, and plus I think you know it's not anything against this movie. I think I just I myself as a viewer, I'm not a fan of recaps. <laughs> I, my Me either. If I'm watching the sequel, I already know what happened i don't need to be reminded <laughs> like but you know it's it's something you do so what i liked in this is that uh they kept the same music you know usually it's not my kind of thing of, of uh, not my style of music but i love the little songs that they have uh, by district 78 that are the you know the ongoing theme song it just has a a warm soothing kind of it's a familiarity you know it's just like oh yeah, it's it's another evil bong movie. It's like it kind of brings everything full center, you know. <laughs> but also, this is where we would get the return, uh, and the only character that would, I think, uh, at least I'm wrong, the only character to appear in every single evil bong movie and evil bong like spinoff, uh, Sonny Carl Davis as uh, Robert, or not Robert, God, the Rabbit, <laughs> Derp. Sonny Carl Davis as Rabbit. <laughs> and he's the MVP. He's the, he's the reason to watch these movies, really. I mean, there's many reasons to watch these movies, but I think you'd probably agree with me that Sonny Carl Davis is is the reason to, to keep coming back to these. Yeah, he's definitely, you know, he's only that little minor bit in the first one where he's not even billed as Rabbit, but you can see on his shirt, if I remember correctly, he does have a name name patch that says Rabbit, but he's just billed as, like, you know, the delivery guy. But, um, or delivery dude, I don't remember. But, uh, <laughs> I think it's just delivery guy, if I remember right. He does end up becoming, like, the the overlapping character for the entire the entire franchise. Uh, because he's he's one of the only two people that's in every single one of them, but he is the only one who appears in all of them as the same character. Right, right. Um, now, who's the? But she's not the same character in all. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. You're right. 
Uh, as I said, this movie stars uh, Sonny Carl Davis and Larnell's Creeper Mustache. Uh, <laughs> this it, it's just not a good look for him. I'm glad that's not a look that they that uh, John Patrick Jordan went with for the other sequels that he did appear in. Because that yeah, creeper it, stash did not work. Oh, it's even worse in part three. But <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, I'm not a fan of the the, the mustache look that he sports in two and especially three. Right. So, uh, it, it makes him look like somebody that belongs on the front page of the Sex Offenders Registry. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It, but I mean, I guess you know they're they're dirty, you know, stoner bums. So I guess it, you know, makes sense. And I'm even just, he's pretty much a, a, a horn dog in this movie. That that's pretty much his ailment. I mean, everybody has an ailment in this. Uh, Larnell is uh, perpetually horny the uh, the entire time. Bachman is narcoleptic. And Brett just can't stop eating. You know, they all got the the delayed reactions, you know, uh, from hitting the bong in the first movie. And it, <laughs> I, like, I like how it brings everything back. I, like, I feel like, though, in this movie, um, Larnell and uh, Bachman's apartment got exponentially, like, just like, so much bigger and so, <laughs> so much dirtier since the last time. Yeah, it's funny because the apartment and i think they say at one point that it's a different place if i'm remembering correctly but it's so it does look way larger it looks way it looks dirtier but emptier if that makes sense yeah (laughs) and it's darker it's very murky looking in there there's not a lot of uh quality light no, there's not a, a lot of good ambient light in that, yeah. that apartment. You probably would not, also speaking of light, you would not want to shine a black light in that room, in any of those rooms, I'm sure. It looked like a Pollock painting. <laughs> oh, but they're dealing with the gist of the story here at the beginning is that they're dealing with the after effects of EB's long, you know, bong rips that they've taken from her. And, you know, Larnell calls Alistair, Big Al, in. To help because you know as he says you're the smartest guy i know and he's like you can't trust doctors because he not only is he dropped out of school larnell has dropped out of school at this point and is writing an expose that he thinks the feds are continuously after him just let's, let's see hmm, people that hit the bong too much being paranoid say it ain't so <laughs> but bachman you know comes in he keeps crashing and it's really i, I love the the use of cream corn on uh Bachman's shirt where he talks about the kid had horked all over him. It's really just really gross, gross looking. <laughs> it looks legit. Yeah, that's very good looking. Yeah. But anyway, you know, Bachman keeps crashing out and just dropping asleep at the drop of a dime. Larnell's libido is so crazy that he humps chairs and, and everything he had to get his hands on and, and Brett just has a monster appetite. He, he looks like, I thought like Brett looks like one of the clumps and watching it on, I watched this on Tubi because I, this is one sadly that I don't own. I only own the first uh, evil bong. I need to rectify that and get the box set at some point when I have some funds. I'll say this. It might not be, you know, the clumps <laughs> or like shallow how, but I think for for the budget and what they were trying to pull off, I think it I think it works pretty well though because it's it's oh yeah, yeah, it's for this kind of movie to do that. That's very ambitious and high concept, which is which is funny to to think that you know a fat suit would be considered you know uh, high concept. But, but it's definitely ambitious for for a film like this because that's just not something that you do on a on a low, low budget. budget, yeah, in a low to no budget set. <laughs> yeah, so it's like because that's you know that's not even even you know on like a not great suit, you know it's that's difficult and time consuming to to do. So. Uh, you know, oh, and it couldn't have been cheap. It couldn't have been cheap to pull off. I mean, uh, you know, uh, maybe I was a little harsh on it, but like it, it, it looks good in some shots. But I man, mean, when it, they go in for that close up, you can tell that's yeah. It, it's one of those things where it's like I don't think it looks terrible, but I mean, even 
if it did look terrible, that's still not easy to do. <laughs> oh no, not at all. Well, I'll give I'll give kudos to you know obscure artifacts and Jeff Farley because it's pretty it's pretty shocking for for this movie. <laughs> so so I because I know for a fact they didn't go to the uh, jungles of South America to shoot on location. So no, they they probably shot in California. I didn't even look to see where they shot in, but I, I'd be willing to bet money that's where they shot was somewhere in California. They definitely shot in California. It looks good. It, it, it's passable. You know, it, it a lot of the 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 shots that they blend. I wouldn't say I wouldn't use the term seamlessly, but they do blend very very well. Yes. Uh, but then we get my next we we get my next favorite character of the of the, of the entire series. The lovely Robin Sidney is Luann. She she's. A, a great actress, and I love her spunkiness and everything, but Luann is such a... I'm trying to think of the most eloquent way of putting this. But she's 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 a bitch. The character is a bitch. I mean, and, and they, she plays her off so well. Yeah, no, it's it wouldn't work if it were a lesser actress than Robin. Uh, because thankfully, she has enough charisma and presence to make a character that pretty much deplorable because she is especially in this movie and this movie might not have aged well in today's pc world uh where everyone's offended offended by every little detail because everything regarding brett is a fat joke and an ex you know a joke at, at the expense of being overweight and it really exemplifies what a shallow total bitch luann is uh, and that she's only concerned about you know having a you know a hot boyfriend you know that you know she doesn't care about anything on the inside you know yeah, but she's like i'm gonna drop him off i'm dropping him off you know fat and i better be picking them back up skinny when you guys are done with this that's all she cares about. Yeah. No, it's like, but, you know, it's like I said, if, if it were a lesser talent, I don't think that Luann as a character would work because she still makes that character, even though not a nice person as a character. She's she's still amusing. She's still funny. And Oh, yeah. And she plays her with such con conviction. You know, you would hardly believe is the same uh, actress that played in Ginger Dead Man, you know. <laughs> a bitch of a character though but you know over the course of you know eight films you'll see that character do a, a pretty big you know story quote unquote pretty big story arc you know right <laughs> right long because she kind of definitely goes from you know point a to point b um by the time you get to the the last film that we're at currently so but yeah but right here she's a she's a she's a stinker as a human being <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh, like the part of the like when she even comes in, she's got like the big hat on, the glasses, almost like she's in incognito. Like, please don't let me be seen with this guy. And let's face it, Brett is pretty disgusting at the beginning of this movie. I mean, when he comes in, you know, he finds that pizza that the the it was it the anchovy pizza that was left on the counter for three days. He's like, "What's the green stuff?" And he's like, "Mold." He's like, well, I can work with that, and just starts eating it anyway. So it kind of tells you where the character's at. No wonder she was embarrassed to see, be seen with him. Yeah, yep. he's, uh, he's, uh, yeah. I mean, he's a pig through most of the entire. <laughs> yeah, seeing the big gaping close-ups of his face eating that that stew that was obviously just uh, canned Chef Boyardee is just like, oh, smeared all over his face, flopping out of his mouth, and just so gross, so gross, but. Like you said, it's kind of in the, like that vein of something like the clumps, you know, uh, Nutty Professor and Shallow Hal. It's just you got to have kind of a gross out moment or two in there. Sure. But getting back to the the story of it, you know, after Bachman passes out and they see the state of Brett, and you kind of see, you know, Larnell in his uh, permanent hump, humping stage. Al figures out the best way to figure out the what they got to do is to contact the shipping company and find out, you know, like where the package came from. So enter Sonny as Rabbit. Like, once again, this time fully as Rabbit, not just the delivery guy. But this is technically 
Now, and you can stop me if I'm wrong here. I'm going solely off of memory. Wasn't the first appearance of rat the rabbit character was in Trancers 2, if I'm correct? Correct, yes. Okay. I thought I thought so. I was almost said Trancers 3, but I was starting to forget the timeline of things, but good. I'll give myself a little point and a little gold star right there. Yeah, he was he was an orderly in Dr. Wardo's uh facility. <laughs> so Yep, yep. I I do remember now that who I believe got paid forty dollars a week. I'm a professional. I make <laughs> I, I seem to remember that line. But hey, he uh you know he jumped up in this movie because he has a line about making you know uh he's I got a job making two hundred dollars a week I gotta get back to. What do I gotta worry about? And one thing that always stuck with me about transfers too is is that was back during the day when there was a period through a lot of those Paramount era films where the camera work there were a lot of dead on shots of people looking and directly into the camera delivering their dialogue and that was that was one of those moments with sunny when he's looking right (laughs) in the camera with that huge jaw you know and that grin of his he's got that ear-to-ear grin you know i make 40 dollars a week i'm a professional professional what schmuck <laughs> 40 bucks a week oh that's, that's not even minimum wage at that point <laughs> 40 dollars back in 91 ish 190 ish that was still pretty shit so <laughs> right oh but uh, where are we at though we get the we're, to get the story from jim jimbo not from jimbo from, from rabbit that Jimbo's wife had sold the bomb because they were getting a divorce, but that he had originally gotten it from uh, South America. So they do the quick travel by map sequence. And whether it's like an Indiana Jones film or a movie like this, I love the travel by map sequences, those little animated sequences of the airplanes going across the dotted checkered line across the world. I don't know why. It's just something that's a kid in me that loves to travel by map sequences. But I love <laughs> at this point, they make a stop at Amsterdam. They go completely out of their way and go to Amsterdam and stop there for a moment before they go to South America. It's like, you hmm. We need that spinoff movie, The Evil Bond Gang in Amsterdam. Yeah, that's a spinoff movie that we never got and we definitely need. I'd be down for that. Kind Charlie, of like- if you're listening, we need it. We want it. It reminds me of, uh, did you ever see the Brett Easton Ellis movie Rules of Attraction? No, no, I've not. There's a scene where Kip Pardue's character, he's this, you know, famous model or whatever, and he, he comes back to town and he's like, oh man, I just got back from, you know, all these different places. And he tells a story, which is a massive monologue. And over his monologue, they show rapid speed footage of his entire trip and what he did and that entire trip actually encompassed an entire separate film that roger avery had made and this Um, was like what was it called rules of attraction rules of attraction yeah so there was a separate film and i believe the film that was made was called glitterati and it was all about the kip pardue characters crazy insane trip while he was like on this modeling tour or whatever and they shot an entire film's worth of content for that that's trip. insane that and is it, literally insane i gotta see this it was if you ever find it you let me know because it remains uh fairly unreleased it has had a very minimal amount of public screenings but it has never been properly released for i think a lot of uh reasons and a lot of what they did was they basically lived you know the characters went on the trip and did a lot of really debaucherous things you know as their characters and just filmed it and they you just get the quick you know like a two or three minute kind of speed you know speeded up hyper hyper cut of what happened but, you know, that's what I picture. I'm like, I want that, but as, like, an evil bong Amsterdam movie. Minus, I guess, the bong. <laughs> so, well, I'm sure that they can get into a lot of trouble even without Evie around, right? As clueless Rab- as these people are. Can you imagine Rabbit in Amsterdam? Yes, I can, and I, I, I want it. I want Rabbit in Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah. we, we deserve it, I think. 
<laughs> it still can happen, you know. It could still could happen, you know. I won't say never. Universe, it did happen. So, uh, but they, after their travel by map with the quick stop in Amsterdam, they get they finally get to the Amazon. They get to South America, and uh, it's all on Alistair's dime too. I like the fact that he's like, yeah, he paid for everybody's trip, maxed out his credit card, so they're pretty much stuck there, and uh, they're not in. They're not in South America for what more than sixty seconds before they they run into um, Velicity at her hut. But they before they do that they, they they see the you know the outsider hut all these skulls on posts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it's uh, Larnell that has a line where he says, "Yeah, cannibals love the snack on stupid white dudes." And it's like, well, if this is true, then you're the stupid white dudes in this movie, and you're the ones going to get snacked on. Yeah, just just saying. But Amy Paffrath, uh, that plays Velicity, I think she would just return for part three, if I'm correct. She didn't come back. Did she come back for four? I don't remember. Actually, Amy Paffrath actually stuck it out until High Five. She actually did four. That's right. She did four of them. No, she did. No, I take it back. She did five. She did two, three versus 420 and High Five. She did five of them. No, but it, but it was Amy that that played him. That they didn't get a different actress to play that part. Yep, it was oh. it was Amy Paffrath. Yep, up until uh, five. See, and I kept thinking that they recast her for some reason. And I've seen all of them. I should know this. I should okay. know this. Once uh, Larnell wasn't in the movie anymore, it's a funny it's a funny juxtaposition because once Larnell wasn't in the story anymore. There was no point in having Amy Paffrath there as Velicity, but it's funny because Luann still uh, persisted until part, you know, what, seven and a spinoff later. Uh, Many movies after her boyfriend vanished, had long vanished from the series. So, and she still kept popping up, uh, even though she hated Larnell and wanted nothing to do with him. But she would still pop up anyway. <laughs> so, I think she secretly, I, I think she secretly had a thing for Larnell, but it was one of those she loved to hate him. Because otherwise, why would she keep coming back? It just made it. it, it I, I think she is, you know, just uh protested too much i think it was a matter of where she just loved to hate him yeah, you know, but, it's very possible it's very possible we'll never know we'll never know probably but uh <laughs> and of course once they get back they talk to velicity she's there um doing some research that just happens to be on weed because everything is centered around weed in these movies and but her her partner is off uh, doing something at, at the moment and he's not around, but he's going to be back real soon. It's her dad's partner. And it would end up being uh, Grandpa beats Cyril, uh, Jacob Wicken. And I love him. My God. He he is given the best dialogue in, the, in these movies and he delivers it with such conviction. Everything is an insult. There's nothing that comes out of Grandpa Cyril's mouth that is not a foul mouth, just, you know, to the to the hilt, uh, it's insult. like a beautiful. Everything is like a beautiful, like poetic soliloquy of hate and disgust, <laughs> right? <laughs> and just vile. He says and things that would make that. Andrew Dice Clay blush. I'm sure. Like really, like nasty, adjective laden, like barbs that would like break any man. <laughs> so yeah, it would just crush any man's soul. And they're so creative. Like it's just not like. You know, he's not just telling somebody off. He's just insulting them, like, to their core, to their, like, literally to their core. I'm like, I I love the man. He passed away in, what was it, I think 2016 or 2017. So he's no longer with us. But he had 90-plus credits. He was a pretty accomplished actor. He made it through four entries of Evil Bong. He was in one, two, three, and... um, high five so he sat out verses and 420 um i believe in verses they even say that cyril had passed but then he just reappears in part uh five anyway (laughs) so 
because Jacob Wicken, that's why, because Jacob Wicken was such a, such a powerful actor and presence on camera. Like he, he, yeah, clearly he had a very extensive career, much beyond full moon, but I think the latter, you know, decade or so of his career was very much uh, exemplified by his work for full moon. And oh, I think that, so too. You know, he even was in another full moon movie with John Patrick Jordan. He was in, he played the title character in Dr. Moreau's House of Pain, where he played Dr. Moreau. And wasn't he in uh, Ginger Dead Man 2? Yes, he yeah, plays, he plays a very, uh, you know, kind of Sean Connery esque, uh, <laughs> yeah. classy classy older actor who's uh subjected to acting in a crappy horror sequel named sir ian kavanaugh who everyone just gloats on is like such an you know such a great you know he's a great performer but he's a total prick of a man (laughs) yeah he's basically just cyril in disguise you know at this point and you know unfortunately for him he was also the uh lead character in the uh puppet master the legacy film as well you mean the puppet master puppet master the the clip show yes puppet master the clips show (laughs) (laughs) a a grown-up version of peter the the little boy from part three so oh like that that movie was what what they have maybe 15 minutes of like actually new shot footage in that movie that wasn't clips from the other films i think you're overshooting it a bit there buddy i think it was about (laughs) eight or nine minutes total (laughs) (laughs) i might have been a bit too kind huh very very you were you were hopeful but Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I was kind of guesstimating, but it, it seemed like 10 or 15 minutes, which means it was probably much shorter, considering how short that movie is. Probably that eight or nine minutes is some pretty great Jacob Wigan material, but... <laughs> right, right. He's, he's definitely one of the, uh, the, the real, you know, memorable characters from the Evil Bong universe, so when you got ones he's in... And unfortunately, like part one, he's only like in the one scene like Rabbit, which is kind of funny in retrospect when he shows up with his, his wife, who now does not exist in part two. So, right, yeah, yeah, the wife is just gone. He forgot all about her when he got to South, uh, South yeah. America, didn't he? I mean, what are you going to do? Sit at home with Miss Rosemary Cornwallis, or are you going to go to the jungles of South America with Amy Paprath? <laughs> oh, I'm going to I'm going to the jungle because of the because also you know you have the illustrious Poontang tribe. I mean, uh, why wouldn't he you know want to go there? <laughs> Rosemary, Felicity, and the Poontang tribe. You know, eh, the the scales are weighed heavily in the the favor of going to South America. And those scales were tipped by some very large fake breasts on the Poontang tribe. Yes, yes. But no, I love how they talk about the Poontang tribe with such such conviction. Like like they're deliberately saying Poontang tribe without trying to laugh out loud. <laughs> I can't imagine trying to say that di- some of that dialogue on camera and not like breaking. You know, yeah, so oh uh, yeah, right. The the Poontang tribe like that's like that's a bullshit made up thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. But still, uh, you know, anyway, we get Cyril coming back. He is still a raging asshole, treats his, uh, his, his uh, you know, grandson Larnell like a piece of shit. But they're researching on a special weed strain that Felicity, you know, thinks will cure just about everything from the common cold to cancer. But, of course, what does Cyril want to do? He wants to exploit it and fucking sell it because they got, like, a metric ton of this stuff wrapped up in, like, bricks. But the super weed brings Evie back from the dead because, of course, Alistair, not, sorry, not Alistair, uh, Larnell has part of Evie still left. He's got the broken pieces of her face. Like, you know, it, it, I mean, of course he does. It's, 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 it's Larnell. Why wouldn't he, ha- he have, you know, the thing that's caused them the most amount of trouble with him? Why wouldn't he bring it with? Because, you know, it'd be a short ass movie if they didn't, right? <laughs> 
and and her, her close proximity to the super weed does kind of bring her consciousness back and she's able to start talking even just as a busted face <laughs> <laughs> as a busted face because yeah her face is busted up that's a funny line from her she's like i'm all busted up <laughs> right like when she smells like which is like mm, that's that good shit i remember that <laughs> and as soon as they mentioned the poontang tribe she's like those motherfuckers they took my man <laughs> <laughs> and we do get to figure out who her, her man is coming up pretty soon and she can't get, because like i think of the next scene of velicity uh uh confronts cyril about the fact that she overhears him talking about selling all the weed when he gets back to you know the states she can't keep her mouth shut she keeps talking and she's in you know felicity's pocket wrapped up in a, in a rag and gives herself away to cyril and this is the point where i made a note where cyril really has all the best lines every line of dialogue he has is just the fucking gold so but what cyril does he puts her on top of the pieces of her that are left puts her on top of the big mound, this two foot, three foot tall mound of marijuana. And she just through the magic of uh, weed and, and some really, really a well done CGI as well. Uh, Cyril re- rebuilds Evie. One and, thing that blows my mind is, is that like the Felicity discovers Cyril's true colors and then she willingly just leaves the pieces of a supernatural talking evil bomb with him <laughs> yeah not the smartest move in the world not the smartest move in the world why would you just give her to him <laughs> because then the, <laughs> the next thing he does is like essentially quote unquote resurrect her and get her uh, back in peace again so yeah all the boys are being used as test subjects for controlled uh, <laughs> controlled know. experiment a controlled experiment to try and uh, see if the su- the new super weed they have down there can actually cure them of their their current ailments. And it works. It, it it does work. It does cure them of their ailments. I mean, by the next day, they're all like, when they all wake up and come back into the hut, I mean, uh, Bachman is no longer falling asleep at the drop of a dime. Brett has miraculously dropped like 300 pounds, uh, you know, also at the drop of a dime. And Larnell is finally able to walk around without having a raging heart on that is not knocking everything over. So the experiment works. And I love how Rabbit weasels his way into it. And he's like, you know, like pass some of that to me. And he's like, no, this is a controlled experiment. And he's like, but I got kind of like a, <clears throat> a little, little sore, a little tickle. It, you know, because everybody in this movie is a raging pothead. It's funny because in that scene, he's so sweaty. Like he's like, Feeling the 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 tension of like oh my god they're all getting to smoke the weed but me <laughs> yeah during this whole sequence he is drenched in sweat I didn't make a note of that <laughs> literally glistening <laughs> with with perspiration oh uh, yeah uh, I think from from here on out he's pretty much like just dripping with friggin' sweat he's <laughs> It must have been that that the the jungles of South America that they were in, you know, wink, wink. Uh, yeah, band, you know. being in a hot climate is definitely a, a yucky situation. <laughs> right, I, I can't even imagine. Oh, but we finally get uh, the Poontang tribe shows up. They finally, you know, after being talked about for you know a good thirty minutes minutes again we find out you know that uh, they they confront cyril and rabbit at the same time and they you know again eb points out that they stole her man and the poontang tribe is just a bunch of beautiful young women with fake breasts that are topless the entire time carrying some very archaic looking spears and wearing loincloths and it's like very rudimentary kind of caveman era because they're supposed to be like around since the uh, what i can't remember how many years they said they had been around but they had uh for for decades or or centuries and then they had been so you know illustrious that they're so uh what's the word i'm looking for here i don't know 
Maybe maybe I got too close to the EV bong and I, I I forgot what I was going with that. But anyway, they're they're so remote of of, of a of a of a tribe that nobody has seen them for centuries. That's yeah. what I was going for. <laughs> but they they kidnap you know uh, Cyril and uh, well they don't kidnap Cyril they, they knock Cyril out and they they take Rabbit with them and they take uh, this is where we finally get Michael Shepard as a vo- voice at King Bong and he is hilarious. The, bo- the King Bong is just so over the top, and so he, he takes what E.B. does, which Michelle Mays does as E.B., and just takes it to the next level, I think. Yes, it's a it's a very, um, I'll go back to my previous statement, whereas moments where the movie might not have aged well by standards of today's PC society. Oh, and, no, definitely not. You know, E.B. is a very vocal cliche of a sassy African-American woman. King Bong is a very over-the-top uh, cliche representation of a African-American man. So, and yeah. it's, uh, it, I mean, it is funny, but... You know. Funny is funny. You know, is it PC? No. But is it still funny? Yes. I kind of think people today, to be Come. quite honest, they just need to laugh. That some stuff is just plain funny. Yeah, it's and King Bong is funny. He's a hilarious character. He uh, King Bong would only appear so far in parts two and verses, and he should be in a lot more. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I thought he should have been in a lot more of them, but you know, alas, they they wouldn't uh, milk that one for all it was worth. You know, figured they you know is. Well, you know, they do bring Ginger Dead Man into the series, and he would become kind of a mainstay, you know, between this series and his own for a little while. You know, so they had probably figured at that point they had enough characters. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, because part, part the Versus movie ends up being kind of like the ultimate, you know, like puppet movie where it's like it's got like all those different characters because they even bring in the pastries from like, you know, Ginger Dead Man 3 as the pastry council and they bring back King Bong and all that, but they didn't, they never brought back the space bong though. So, uh, but no, they never did. Did they? Mm-hmm. The space bong from part three. Yep. I wonder why that is. Again, another one of many questions that I'm going to have for Charlie, if I ever run into him again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, everybody decides that they're going to go, and they're going to save Rabbit because Rabbit hits from the bong and he goes in. He hits from King Bong and he gets drawn it into the bong, just like everybody that smoked from Evie in the first movie gets drawn into her bong world. There's a separate bong world for King Bong. So, really, Evie is not really the villain of this movie. You know, once we get right down to it, it is King Bong. She helps our boys, you know. If you can if you can call it help, I mean she's doing it for her own her own gain, you know. <laughs> but she's yeah, not exactly he, the lead villain in this. No, she's definitely King Bong is the lead villain, and she's definitely pro them defeating him because she doesn't like him no more because he did her wrong, and he left her for those those quote unquote bitches. So <laughs> right. So she's very much She's very much a bong scorned So Yes That's that's good I I, I see what you did there sir I like that Mm -hmm. I like like they're all exact You know they're not exactly on board to go save Rabbit because you know Rabbit you know let's say I can't remember who says it I think it might be Larnell or Bachman says you know you know, would he go and try to, to help us if it was the other way around? And it's Alistair that says, you know, it doesn't matter. He's like, it's the right thing to do. We got to go and try to save him. But to save him, they need to go and do what? What do they need to do? They need to smoke and take a hit from King Bong. So it's... <laughs> and it puts them right there in that same kind of world. It's not a nightclub like in the first movie where it's this existential, otherworldly nightclub filled with naked women and... and people dancing around on stage. Nope. It's just naked women in the jungle. 
<laughs> again weird sort of fisheye <laughs> like framing of the the picture while they're in there but uh there's no bar to be seen this time yeah th- well there was no budget for a bar <laughs> <laughs> definitely no budget for a bill mosley cameo or a tim thomerson cameo no no there we get no cameos in part two whatsoever no no they brought they it didn't need to they they brought back you know uh cyril as a main as a major character then they brought back rabbit as a major character so i'm happy I, i'm happy with that yeah but you know i i <laughs> it, when he, he brings uh i think it's uh, bachman and brett in first they're the first two to hit from him and he's trying to entice, entice them with the naked women and everything and they're getting into it but I love the line of which I wrote down. He's like, touch her, touch her. No, not each other, you idiots. Because uh, <laughs> they're reaching out. They're like groping on each other instead of the, the girls, which again, just see, it's, it's a it's a prelude to what's to come. Yes. <laughs> uh, we won't get into that. We'll, we'll, we'll spoil that for now, for now. <laughs> but I don't think Rabbit wants to leave. You know, Rabbit is perfectly happy. He even says Rabbit happy. He, he can't even really talk straight. He's just rabbit happy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, spending eternity in a, a, a fancy, fancily lit, like, uh, clamshell bed. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that looks like something from the Playboy Mansion, you know? <laughs> yeah, it looks like uh, something designed for, like, you know, mermaid porn or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And like two two voluptuous naked women, yeah, he'd he'd be set for eternity if he could just stay there. Yeah, but 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 when they big bring out the big rolling paper, that's the point where I think Rabbit doesn't want to stick around because what do they do? They roll him into a giant doobie, and I love the line. It's so silly, but God, the little thirteen year old kid within me just loved the line. He's like, "Are you a doobie or a don't be?" <laughs> I, I just it's. It's so stupid, but God damn it, I love it. I can't help but love it. You know, and this is where I made the point, you know, the one thing is, unless they can get you to hit the bong and go into this world, it's hard to be threatening without any limbs. You know, they even say at one point, you know, like, how, how much help is, uh, your, or a threat is EB going to be? She, you know, bitch ain't got any arms or legs, but, you know, she, all she needs to do is to get you to hit that bong, just like King Bong. As long as you hit the bong, that's all they need you to do. No arms, no legs required. But they don't really get it. And this is the one point of the movie. We're pretty much close to, uh, to, to the end. But I feel like it's the one thing that is uh, a little bit of a letdown. Is that they f- figure out that they got to destroy his medallion around his neck in yep. order to, to get out. So they do. They, 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 they trick it. You know. Huh? Destroy his symbol of power. That's right. That's right. The symbol of power. But they get the medallion off his neck. They smash it, and everybody is this magically transported out of King Bong's world. Right before, you know, they roll. Right after they roll uh, Rabbit into the big doobie and shrink him down to normal doobie size, and King Bong is going to smoke him. And there's kind of that little wink and a nod to the fly because you know Rabbit is going nuts and talking, but he sounds like the, the character of the fly at the end of the original. Which I no, thought was a nice little touch. He says the same thing repeatedly. Where like it's almost the same line of audio, just like looped. Where he's just like, "I'm a fucking doobie. I'm a fucking doobie." <laughs> I know, and I love it. I love it. Yeah, it is the same repeated line. I don't think he says really anything else. He might say like one other line, but that's it. Yeah, it feels he's like gonna a lot smoke of- me. He's gonna smoke me. I'm a fucking doobie. I'm a fucking doobie. I'm a fucking doobie. He says it like. <laughs> times <laughs> you say that so you do that so well i can't i can't i can't do that at all <laughs> anytime you want me to laugh all you'd have to do is say that i swear to god <laughs> but it's just the one part of the movie that i found like to be kind of disappointing it's just anticlimactic it's just kind of like they smash the you know the medallion the source of his all his power and boom there's they're just kind of 
Well, it's kind of one of those weird moments where it's like it's it reminds me of the end of part one when Jimbo blows himself up in Bong World with dynamite strapped to his chest and it defeats her somehow, but doesn't kill him. And he's still alive in Bong World with all the dancers. And then in this one, like they destroy his medallion and he loses his power and then they just all get released from Bong World for some reason. Like there's not any there's not even really movie logic <laughs> i don't think <laughs> there's not that pseudo there's not even movie. any kind of what i call sharknado type logic yeah there's not that pseudoscience like explanation as to like you know that can suit the movies you know narrative they it's just like okay yeah oh he's defeated they go back to the real world the end <laughs> like, right you know what uh, as i always say you know how it happens because it was wrote in script and that's why yeah happened because the paper said so <laughs> that's right that's right so but we would get a nice little wrap-up at the end larnell stays uh back with velicity for the the time being brett and uh alistair and bachman all go back and brett and luann reunite i like the fact that he actually put that brett when you know, uh, Luann sees him and just runs into his arm and is kissing all over him. She's like, he's like, we got to talk. I like the fact that they actually wrap that up, you know, with a little bit like, I didn't like the way you were talking to me. I didn't like the way you were ta- treating me. Some th- yeah. We're going to have to have a little talk about this. You owe me one, you know? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do at least address her very unsavory behavior to him. So which which does make up for her. <laughs> how how she treats him before that and it's funny because in in the scope of this movie these are quote-unquote long movies for modern you know era full moon too because this one was like 80 something minutes 80 something minutes yeah it was almost a full hour and a half and yeah and in the whole runtime though robin is only in it for like eight minutes she's only in that opening part for about six minutes and then she reappears at the end for two minutes i made it a I made it a point to <laughs> to uh clock those moments and so eight minutes of screen time uh robin you deserve more you deserve more about, yeah just about eight minutes of screen time and sadly even come you know that it's another conversation for another time but like part three does does even worse with that because she's in part three for like six like no like five minutes so yeah we need we need what the you know in a world where we have a four-hour cut of the justice league i want uh, the luann cut yeah and (laughs) half rats only in part three for literally a minute so i mean at least we get a lot of pack rats in part two so yes but, you know, it, it's it's like, again, like I always say, it was wrote in the script. That's why it is. Yeah, you can't have it all all the time. So that way, when you do get it, it's that much more special. So exactly, exactly. I do like how they wrap things up with Rabbit at the end because he makes the, the point. Where he's like, I swear I'll never smoke again. I'll never drink again. I'll never, you know, do anything bad again. And mm-hmm. the minute he pops back up, he's now a man of God spreading the word of the gospel. And literally, he takes about, it's about a minute scene. He, as soon as they're like light up a joint, he just takes it, takes a hit off of it and just smiles. This like, you knew I wasn't serious, right? He doesn't have to say a word, but it's just that, that, that toothy grin that uh, Sonny Carl Davis has, you know? Like that final shot. And then it's him. He takes that, that big hit and then he like turns right to the camera with that toothy smile, like. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, like you didn't really think I was serious, did you? <laughs> and and this is my final thoughts on the movie. Is this is the closing? Is it's a stupid fucking movie. Period. Stupid fucking movie. But damn it, I love it. I I love this series. All you know, some of them with varying degrees. You know, some are better than others. But these first two are really are really good. Uh, I I think the first three actually play off very well as. Uh, as their own kind of like contained trilogy because it would be the one it would be the only ones that would have our our four guys you know our four original boys in it and you know i 
maybe I'm a bit nostalgic. I, I just like these movies. But let's go ahead and get off into our uh, final thoughts and ratings on this. So what is your rating on a scale from 1 to 10 for uh, Evil Bong to King Bong? See, you know, like Evil Bong is definitely one of those series that is you know, Full Moon is known for now. There's been so many of them in such a short period of time. Uh, it's become one of those watershed franchises for them. And I think the first one's great. This one is just as fun. Um, I think the, the four main characters, I love, I love the guys. I love all four of them, even the varying <laughs> versions of Alistair. I think they all have great chemistry. Uh, I think that the chemistry with this Alistair is maybe the weakest. Uh, whereas I, I could agree with that. I could agree with that. Uh, yeah. Alistair in the first one, David Weedoff, I think was his name. He, he had more of a, uh, how do I say kind of like a, you know, sort of a whimsy about him, you know, he had an innocence about him. He had a, he had a very childlike whimsy innocence about him. And, you know, he, but he was still smart and brought something to the table. And Alistair in this one is smart, but I feel like uh, Brett Chuckerman's version of Alistair is a bit more, um, tired feeling or uh over it feeling yeah, he, to feel, he feels like a stick in the mud he's kind definitely of. the one who's like uh this again <laughs> you know <laughs> right he seems more disinterested and unenthused at what's going on and sure i mean he shouldn't be enthused per se about like yay we're being terrorized by two bongs now you know but he seems <laughs> less uh, into it. Yes, but I would. I would say so. But that's not to say I think that Brett Chuckerman did a bad job. For the record, I think he did a he did a serviceable job. Uh, it, and you know, when you get that, you get different people playing it, the same character in each movie. You're going to get different levels of you know a way a performer will approach a character, and you know that's that's a good thing. So, but I love the guys. I love, you know, even though she's a stick in the mud as a human being, I, I like Luann. Uh, I think what, this one made the smart decision to expand two of the best characters being Rabbit and Cyril and really give them something to do this time uh, instead of just show up for a, a brief showy moment and then vanish, you know, and kind of tease us with what we could have had. This one actually gives us what we wanted. And there's a lot of cereal. There's a lot of rabbit. Um, and to Sonny Carl Davis's credit, it really uh, shows that, you know, that rabbit character, he has, you know, a longevity that really uh, has rode out the franchise. <laughs> so, uh, and this one also gave us one of my other favorite characters. I love Felicity. I think she's a fun, smart, spunky, charismatic character. And I think Amy Paffrath's a really great actress. Uh, and she was a really great addition to the ensemble. Oh yeah, I totally. Think. It, it, this movie did, in a lot of ways, it did what I think good sequels should do. You know, it brought us back characters that I enjoy, that I loved, and it gave us them put in a scenario where stakes were raised. You know, they had these problems, they were experiencing these side effects. There was a conflict that had to be figured out and solved. You know, and they did, and it did feel like it was moving the story forward to a degree, which yeah, a lot. Yeah, so it felt like it was advancing. You know, if you could call it the mythology, you know, yeah. it, it felt like it was advancing things to it the next taking, level. Yeah, it was taking things and moving it forward, and you know, and expanding on some of the characters too, because like with the introduction of Velocity, you know, now Larnell had, you know, someone to call his own at the end of that movie. So it was expanding the, not just the ensemble, but the, the world and mm -hmm. things. So I, th I think it was successful uh, 
in all of those aspects. Um, the ending is a bit kind of, you know, <clears throat> boom, it's over. <laughs> but, uh, Good way of putting it. Yes, sir. But all in all, though, I think it is a very it is a very fun view. Uh, the the cast is really good. They're very game, uh, and I love EB. I love Michelle Mays as the evil Bong, and Michael Shepard is amazing as King Bong, and he has some amazing dialogue. And I love the end credits where he has just an ongoing monologue uh, talking. <laughs> oh yeah, like through the entire end credit sequence. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Michael Shepard, you know, and uh, all in all, it's a very fun, solid view. Um, I don't think it's as good as the first one, but uh, it's definitely a, a, a serviceable sequel that did what it did what it should. I think it's a solid seven. Oh, well, you're coming in not too far from me. I'm coming in at a six and a half. I think I came in at a seven or seven and a half on the last one. I'd have to check. I keep a log where I, I rate everything, but I do not have that file open right now, so I can't I, tell for sure. But I believe this, seven and a half. But uh, yeah, I come in at a six and a half. You know, it's a great sequel. It, it again, like you said, it expands upon the mythology and the idea. It creates a you know, there's a problem from the first you know the events of the first movie with them having the side effects from you know hitting on uh, you know E B the bong. <coughs> excuse me that was not not an intentionally placed cough <laughs> but you know and they they present you with a problem and you know they expand upon it and this one's a lot more of a comedy than the first one was i think you know they're all comedies they're all comedy horror movies but the first one could be considered more comedy horror this is just straight up comedy and I love it for it. I love it for expanding and bringing Rabbit full front and center to the movie. You know, expanding especially upon Cyril. I, uh, I, I love both their characters. Michelle Mays is is great as Eb. Thankfully, they would always have her voicing Eb. Um, you know, I think one of the few things that, like you said, you know, the ending is just kind of like as you put it, just a, and it's just mm-hmm. kind of there, and it's just like oh, like that's it. You know, they wrap things, but they wrap things up in a neat little nice little bow mm-hmm. and uh you know i i think it was also kind of interesting the fact that they made uh you know eb is not necessarily the main antagonist in this she's still you know an antagonist but she is not you know the big kahuna at this point so i, I like that i like that and it, it kept you know most of our it kept at least three out of our four main guys t- together you know i mean they still keep Alistair in the mix with the different actor playing him. And I, and I, I feel like you're right. He feels a little bit strained that, that this, uh, this version of Alistair, but then again, he's more high. Feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. True. But you know, again, that's the way I think that he was meant to be played. You know, I think he, he's the, you know, he's, he's not the, 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 the weed smoker of the group. He was this kind of, he just kind of roped into it, to be quite honest. And I think it, for somebody that was roped into it, uh, that's probably how they would be uh, acting and reacting to things. Yeah, I'd be a bit high strung, too, if I were roped into flying myself and four other people to South America on a <laughs> mad <laughs> hunt. Yeah, yeah, no shit, on my credit card bill. Yep, so. Yeah, you can't blame the man. But yeah, good sequel. Good sequel. I don't know though. It's my fav- if it's my favorite sequel. I I, I will let that uh, re- remain in question for the moment until we actually get to that said sequel. I will let that remain a secret. But it is close to being my favorite sequel. This is probably it's it's not, it's not my favorite franchise by Full Moon, but it is pretty darn close. It's just a whole lot of fun. The whole franchise is in this movie. It's just that. It's like I said to uh, my buddy who watched the first movie that uh, didn't like it, that just said the movie is dumb. And I'm like, well, I, I guess then you missed out uh, on what it's supposed to be about because it's supposed to be dumb. It's just that. It's a stupid movie, but I dig it a lot. Yeah, there, it's probably Full Moon's most popcorny franchise where it's just you can turn your brain off and watch it and even when it doesn't make sense it's like that's the thing it doesn't really have to make sense we're watching a franchise about talking bongs so <laughs> right it exactly. doesn't 
have to be, you know. Well, like you said, it's a popcorn movie, you know. Yeah, I, I love popcorn. Ancient Ivory film or something. It's like it's a it's a stoner horror comedy that's very light on the horror. Because let's be honest, like in eight movies, there's only two of these where people actually even die so <laughs> right well even in the first movie with the people that die come back to life and jimbo is still kind of alive in the afterlife so they're really yeah, they, they undo all the deaths in the first one so and in this <laughs> right one, no one dies in this one so i mean we're two films deep and there's not there's an overall body count so far of zero it's just they're more <laughs> more comedy honestly you know i don't think it'll become more horror again until part verses <laughs> so you know and and that's fine because these are they're just like i said they're silly talking bong movies so you know yeah if you, you just... go into it knowing what i mean if you know what you're getting into which movie like with a title like evil bong how could you expect anything less or anything more exactly. than what if you're going expecting something deeper than your head is uh, in the wrong place. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the, there's, a, there's a time and a place for the movies like this, and to, today was the time and the place. You know, I, I love this revisit, and I think I like this movie a little bit more this viewing around. It, it had been a little while, probably been about a year and a half since I'd watched it. So, uh, yeah, I was happy to revisit it. But I definitely want to thank you again. I, I know we got a couple more shows planned out over the next couple of days. A couple, uh, a pretty big one. We'll let let you folks guesstimate on uh, what that next movie will be. But it is probably, I could, I could probably safely say the biggest full moon movie that they've ever done, or at least the the most legendary. We'll leave it at that, which is pretty much giving it away, folks. If you don't know, then I don't know why you're here. <laughs> so. We'll leave, we'll leave you with that little guesstimate for, for the evening. Uh, Dustin, again, I want to thank you, for as always, for coming on the show and, and you know, taking a couple hours out of, out of your day. Yeah, it's always definitely. fun time, sir. Always. Well, folks, I guess we'll bid you a fond farewell. And once again, you have been listening to Howling at the Full Moon, and, and we have been reviewing and dissecting Evil Bong 2, King Bong. And remember... <laughs> <laughs> remember we just especially for rabbit right <laughs> definitely life okay girls <laughs> what happened to the delivery dude he's right there on the floor come on now girls show him what you're working with <laughs>